pelvic posse and welcome to the empower your pelvis podcast it's amanda and morgan we have helped thousands of people with pelvic floor issues and it's totally our jam here you can listen to expert interviews encompassing all things related to pelvic health that is pee poop sex and everything in between you have a pelvic floor yes you we all do and it's time to start talking about issues that may arise but more importantly how to improve them we are so glad you are here to join us now let's head into this week's episode of the empower your pelvis podcast Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. I'm Amanda. And something that is near and dear to my heart is sleep when it comes to hormones and the pelvic floor. This is something I've experienced myself over the years with pelvic floor dysfunction after having my babies. Um, I noticed on nights that I was maybe up with the kids more dealing with sleep regressions or just kids that didn't sleep for me until they were 15 months old. I would have more pelvic organ prolapse symptoms, more leakage, more issues the following day. When your body is lacking sleep, it does not care about rebuilding your core. Its main focus is trying to keep you in survival mode. And that's really what we kind of feel as moms is trying to survive. So today on the podcast, we have Bailey and Kelly from Serenity Sleepers. I am so excited to hear them talk today and give their advice to a lot of us because no offense, we made a lot of mistakes in our household with our three kids and we still have a four-year-old that's not quite sleeping through the night. So I'm really excited to hear what they've got to say. Hey, Kelly and Bailey, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here and share more about some of our favorite topics around sleep. Oh, more of us need more and more sleep than I think we give ourselves credit for. I used to think you would get a trophy for sleeping like four to six hours a night and now realizing like, oh, that was a really bad move. So I'm really excited to hear what you guys got going yeah. on. And I'm glad you said that because it is especially... We work with families all over the U.S. and even outside the U.S. And when it comes to our families in the U.S., we notice a lot feel like the less sleep they get, it's as though they're going to get a medal or a trophy for I can do it all and I can make it happen with little sleep. And little do they know it just goes deeper than what it's really affecting with your body, your mind, your emotions, how sleep has got to be at the forefront and on top of it all for us. So I'm excited to share more so we can get more sleep happening for families. That's a good point. Like who, who said super mom had, like was surviving on four out of six hours. I think it's crazy. We should be putting it out there as like a meme that, you know, the eight to 10 hours would be amazing. Yes, it's what we that. strive and we can have it happen. <laughs> so tell us, how did you guys get into this field? How did you two connect? You go. Yeah. So first of all, I am the owner of Serenity Sleepers. I started this business almost seven years ago. Oh my God. I wish I would have known you then. (laughs) I know. That's what everybody says. They're like, why didn't I know you then? And I'm like, ah, but you know me now and we can get sleep going in the right directions. Um, It was actually started from, I'm a former teacher. I have a bachelor's and master's degree in education. So it actually started in a classroom where I was noticing So many children were sleep deprived and all the effects that were happening in these children were in elementary school and had not been years on end. And so it really got me intrigued and I just wanted to learn more and know more. So that's where it actually all started. Um, And then I decided after I had my second one, um, she has a lot of health issues and a lot of things going on behind the scenes with her that really affected sleep. And I knew that, hey, I want to help more and more families. So I started Serenity Sleepers and knew that I wanted to educate families 
I'm all about sleep education and how we can get healthy sleep going in the right direction. And um, one, a few years ago, me and Bailey had actually met here in Nashville um, at some baby events and we just really clicked and connected and she was um, starting her own. I'll let her discuss that in a minute about parents in play, but we were actually just very connected and I, I even spoke at some events with her and um, then COVID hit and everybody knows in 2020 happened, everything just kind of, oh boy, yeah, went a little crazy. Um, and she was doing her own things and I was doing my own thing. But last year we really reconnected again and um, decided that we were ready um, for her to join my team and be a part of Serenity Sleepers. And it has been amazing these last six months, just working together and how we're able to build sleep and development um, and how they go hand in hand. And I'm going to pass it off to Bailey so she can tell you a little bit more about her background and how it goes with Serenity Sleepers and how we're working together now. Hi, I'm Bailey. Um, I have been an occupational therapist in pediatrics for the last 11 years. And so what really changed for me was having babies and realizing that parents with typical children, not just those who have developmental delays, need really good education. Um, and so I started parents and play where I was doing like mommy and me groups. I called them parents and me because I would encourage both parents to come because you're a team. Mm -hmm. And if you're together, then you should be on the same page. Otherwise, just like with sleep, we like the parents to do it together because otherwise it causes all kinds of bumps in the road. Um, so I needed other experts. So I connected with Kelly at one of the events and then we just kind of hit it off and had a friendship. And then I had my second baby in 2020 and became a stay-at-home mom and COVID killed parents in play. And then we moved away. We actually moved to Springfield, Missouri. And so, and then I, after about six months, I started to go crazy and I was like, <laughs> I need something. Um, and so I was like, Hey Kelly, let me come <laughs> help you behind the scenes. I know you're busy. And then it's just kind of evolved into this beautiful relationship. And now, um, we're kind of expanding on my role with Serenity Sleepers. That's awesome. I I didn't realize, I guess it had been around for so long or how you guys had really connected or honestly, Bailey, I didn't know that you were an OT and that it gets my wheels turning. Cause one of our kiddos, I actually had all three of my kids evaluated by an OT this summer. Cause I saw this need of like, Ooh, we're kind of we're kind of missing something here with kids. Like if they don't qualify for services in the school, uh, yeah. these kids are kind of falling through the funnel and that were my kids. And one of them, our oldest went to OT for um, reading. Just we're not caught up with reading with 2020 lack of confidence. So he went for a little bit, <laughs> our middle kiddo is a speech kiddo, um, tubes, adenoids removed, and he still needs OT and we're slowly getting back into it. And then our youngest one, um, it just was like more primitive reflexes that we needed to connect the dots with again and bedwetting that oh, yeah. things that are happening. And he's a deep sleeper. Yeah. And so I'll, we can go into this more and more later, but, um, yeah, I, I like you guys both have very unique backgrounds that I think together mesh so well. And that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Okay. So when let's go through the process of when people connect with you and when you guys kind of start, how does, what does that look like? Yeah. So a lot of times families will reach out and they'll just, you know, have their sleep issues that are happening and kind of more interested on how they can work with me and work 
with Serenity Sleepers and get more help with their sleep. So families are going to set up discovery calls. I offer free 15 minute calls because I want to learn more about families, just like they want to learn more about me. Yeah. I really dive into what's taking place with the family, learn more about their background, the sleep issues, their sleep goals. And then from there, families are able to, I have a lot of different options on services that I offer, but our big thing is I offer one-to-one support for families. So families are getting that customized plan, that customized support from me, where I go from the beginning to the end with this family. I want to tackle those sleep issues. We work daily together on really getting to the root causes of the sleep issues. And then from there, we're able to work together where I have phone calls with families, Zoom calls with families. I have different apps that I work um, with families. So they're able to connect with me and Bailey um, and ask questions and they get customized sleep plan and sleep support. And that's one of the things that families over the years have found most valuable, especially in the last few years. Going to Google or going to your friend or the Facebook groups are very overwhelming and families feel like I got a lot of information and I'm more confused now than when I started. (laughs) So true. They're like, I just need someone who's going to hold my hand, who's going to walk me through this, who is educated, certified, who has the background. Um, On top of that, I have three kids of my own. So I always tell families, I've been there, I'm going through it or I'm going to go through it at some point with you. So just knowing that there's someone there to be by your side is really helpful. And what me and Bailey have really enjoyed in the last six months is a lot of these families that are coming to me are going through a lot of developmental milestones as well. So her help has been huge because anytime we go through leaps or developmental milestones, we're always going to see it affect sleep. And I have to tell families like, oh, they're rolling, they're moving, they're pushing up, they're trying to crawl, they're trying to babble. How is that interfering and affecting their sleep? And how can we get through that easier? And that's where Bailey comes in as a huge support with her OT background on helping us mesh the two and see how we can get through sleep and development and get through it and meet our sleep goals. What is the, like, what age do you think is most common when parents are reaching out? Is it that four month regression or does it, have you guys found one more than the other? (laughs) Yeah, so you know, it's, it varies, but a lot of families in that three to six month range is a big period for us. Families are kind of coming out of that brand new born stage where, you know, they're getting through some of the things that happen, you know, trying to get all the things back in place. You know, those first two months, you're kind of just trying to survive a lot of times, trying to get the footing on what your family and what's working and what's going on. So really, once they get to that three to six month marker, they're really reaching out because they're like, okay, I thought we would have had a little bit better things happening in the sleep department or we did have good sleep and now it's gone south and we as parents are really struggling and we're tired and after three to six months we really need a game plan and would like to get sleep going in a really good direction now. Um, So that's really like a big burst that we see. And then we also do see a burst, you know, again around those 12 to 18 months as well because Again, a lot of times either families have gone a year and they've not been sleeping or they were and now their kids are changing greatly and developing and they're like, what happened to our sleep? So families kind of come to us at different ages all the time, but we work with newborns all the way up to preschool age. And I've even worked with elementary age students um, as well. But we try and tell families the earlier you get started, the better, because we're really able to like good, solid sleep foundation and we can help. Um, your children early on, if we're really starting there, but 
it's also never too late to reach out because we know that we can help you wherever you are on that journey. And I'm sure Bailey has a little bit more to add to that too. Well, it's just sleep. Like she's saying, it's just never too late. Um, And how it sleep carries over into all of the areas of your life. You're talking about, you know, your school age kids. And a lot of times what we see is when toddlers come, they're having all these tantrums and they're like, oh, they're such a nightmare. But really what's happening is... (laughs) Well, the emotional regulation piece is falling apart because they don't have proper sleep. And so that's one of the biggest things like that I am working with the toddler families that we get is kind of just explaining to them about emotional regulation and sensory play is such a like hot topic out there. But what parents don't realize is it's like you don't have to have all of these kits and all of this stuff like we are sensory beings. And if we let our kids play and move and do all of this we can fix a lot of their emotional regulations issues and then especially with the sleep piece like sleep is key to all of it I always say my kids are so good and parents are like I get commented all the time like your kids are so good I'm like because they sleep like (laughs) I don't mess with naps I don't mess with bedtime we go to bed (laughs) Quick schedule yeah I like that there's flexibility but I'm not going to skip it. You know, like I'm not going to completely devastate them just because I know I just like having happy kids. I was going to say, I don't like to push it too far because I don't want to deal with the crabby kids the next day. Like I'm thinking about selfishly. I'm probably thinking about (laughs) myself. (laughs) Like mama needs her like non mommy time to kind of unwind herself before bed. But then I also want really happy kids the next day. And it can quickly derail, you know? Oh, one nap won't be a big deal or one late bedtime. And it starts to flow over quickly. And one day that's a rough day and another day, and then they start to have more tantrums. So it's like a slippery slope that we have to also watch. (laughs) Yes. Like when you're in the holidays or on vacation and you realize like you're not stuck to your normal schedule and then family members are commenting like, Ooh, your kids are kind of misbehaving. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause we're not on our normal routine. One thing I wonder So in the therapy world, we talk about like chronic issues Mm -hmm. is sleep kind of that way. Um, and Bailey, you might understand, yeah, understand a little bit more with like, I think like speech therapy, like I had to, we had to retrain all these bad habits for my son and PT. We have to do that with our patients. OT, you have to do with your patients is sleep kind of that same way with kids. Like it's not going to be a quick fix. You kind of have to retrain the brain on connecting the dots properly before it starts to kind of pick up. Or is it more of a quick fix? Like it can fix itself in a couple of days. That's you Kelly. Yeah. So as far as it goes to sleep, so every baby and child's going to be, some do pick up quicker and we're able to move at a quicker pace. Others, we really have to go at a slower pace, listen to the, to their body, listen to what they need. Okay. It also depends on all the sleep issues we have to tackle. Sometimes it's a few tweaks here and there, and that really helps with just tweaking the schedule or a change in how we're putting them to sleep. That can pick up quickly. But if we have a lot of sleep issues or areas that we need to improve, it can take longer um, because we've got to make sure that we're doing it in the right way. And also parents have to understand that, you know, it depends how long these issues have been going on, how gentle they want the approaches to be, because that's one thing that I'm very much on. Um, It works, cried out works great for some families, and that's wonderful. It works for them. But we are much more on the gentle side of where we I want parents to guide, help and support them through the process. I really want your children to understand how to sleep. 
Um, you know, we've got to teach them that they're not born with that skill. So I am really about you being there to be the supporter, the guider. Um, and a lot of times those take a little bit longer for children because we are going at a different pace and we're handholding more um, because, again, it's teaching the parents too what, what they need to know also. And I bet you guys are a very good accountability system for the parents too. <laughs> Cause I know if I was back in my day, like with my first kid, it was all in the books. Yes. That's it would be like, too. you know, we have to do it for four nights this way and you would do <laughs> it. And then I'm like, well, shoot now we're throwing in the towel and, you know, night two, because it's not working out, but you guys would be a great filter for somebody to be able to ask the questions, get the answers that they need to be able to keep moving forward to see the changes. I think so much better than books. And that's what everybody says. Like we love books and we like reading and we like researching, but at the end of the day, every child is not, you know, going to be textbook. Yeah. Things going to happen. And that's where families are like, okay, this happened and it affected this. Now, what do we do? Well, we got off schedule today. What do you think is a better plan? Um, And that's just where that one-to-one support is so valuable to families because I'm literally there and Bailey is there to answer it, to say, hey, we saw this today. Let's kind of tweak it and change it. And we need to do this now. Or maybe we started with one plan and we're like, hey, parts of that are working, but I need to tweak it and I can make it even better. Um, So that's one of the most valuable pieces that a lot of clients tell us is so important. Um, And so many people say, you know, we're worth every single penny. They're like, we would do it all again. Um, the biggest regret we get is we didn't do it soon enough. We're like, yeah. why are you sooner? <laughs> I can't imagine if you're exhausted, like you'll do anything to get that yes. to change. But then for your kid to not be crazy as well. So you can be calm at home and feel good and supported by somebody else. I think is like worth every penny in its own. Well, and she's being kind to herself, but it's literally <laughs> She is like peeling an onion back of all these layers, like me becoming part of Serenity Sleepers. You know, I had my idea of what was happening. I had no idea. Like (laughs) jumping in, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Like, let me look at one person. And Kelly's got like this slew of clients. And I'm like, I can handle one person because it's literally looking at the sleep habits, the feeding habits um, and figuring out sometimes they don't always tell us everything. Oh, Um, And so then they're like, oh, we're doing this. I mean, it's just like you, you know, with your Mm -hmm. clients. And you're like, oh, well, that would be why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like you need them to be like, tell them nothing's TMI. Like we need to know everything so we can truly help fix the situation. Yes. Yes. Can you give us an example of like how you are peeling back all the onion layers with the patients? Well, that's what their families is it's like this area affects this area. And they don't realize they think sometimes, oh, we're just talking about sleep. Okay. But yes, like we need to know, like, are there feeding issues going in there? Are you seeing a lactation specialist? Are you in therapy for this? Um, Are they going through developmental milestones? Are they wearing a helmet? That's a big thing. We see a lot of um, babies who have the helmet on and it's all these things of layers that we're like, oh, so this can be affecting why they're struggling falling off to sleep, or this can be affecting this area of sleep, or why we're not napping as well. So it really is like an open book um, when we get with families. And that's one thing, once they become clients, they actually fill out a form that goes very deep. And the reason I try and tell them I need this information because it's only going to help me help you even more. So 
understanding the whole piece of the puzzle. And that's why Bailey coming into Serenity Sleepers has been so huge because families, honestly, that's one thing, you know, when they go to the pediatrician, it's kind of like a check, like, oh, are they sitting up? Oh, are they rolling? Check, check. But it's like, she'll start to dive into like, oh, they can get into sit position, but they're struggling to get in and out of it. And that can affect them sleeping, you know, because they're not able to easily lay down or easily roll. Um, and that's been a huge game changer for families. Just, it's like a light bulb's gone off on them. I'm like, oh, this is why we need to work on these things during the day or daily or Bailey sent us, you know, how we can watch videos um, of helping them get through this. And that's going to translate into their sleep as well. Do you guys see that a lot of parents, because this is just therapy world in my head, yeah. but um, we get a lot just like of our normal day-to-day routine, especially with COVID, a lot of us parents are doing the seated posture, the seated posture with Zoom calls, more rounded back, more rounded shoulders, mm-hmm. less vagal nerve stimulation. So with like our kids at home, I've noticed maybe we're nicer children or a little bit more sensory. We're not as crazy. I'll put it easy that way. If we get into more like a prone position on our belly. So if we're going to read at night or do where's Waldo or play Uno, we're going to do that in on, on our elbows, laying on our belly or in a hip 90, 90 position where it kind of helps to open up like as an exercise, my kids don't know we're doing it as an exercise, but that might be one thing that we just want to change their routine throughout the day to kind of stimulate eye traction, um, or getting certain muscles like postural muscles to work better. Do you guys see that with a lot of the families too? Like just that kind of, even in the car seat, maybe kind of being hunched in and over or baby wearing. I will have to say that since I've kind of started doing the developmental milestone consults with our families, the container baby syndrome is huge. What is Um, the container baby syndrome? So just uh, using a lot of equipment, you know, not getting enough time on the floor. And so we see that the snoo, the swings, the bouncer, putting them in the exo saucer before they can even sit up independently. And so that's been the piece of the onion that I've been peeling back, you know, cause there's their equipment kind of, yeah. I mean, they're, so like they're cook dinner and yeah, especially during COVID while so many parents worked at home. Absolutely. I've got yeah. to work. I need you to sit here, you know, yeah. and you got to do what you're doing to survive. But then families don't realize why all the things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helped open my eyes even more too, where Bailey's come in and talked about these things. Absolutely. Well, and it's just not getting enough time. So Kelly, you know, talking about filling your tired tank up or babies that are just starting to roll at like, like six and seven months. And they're like, oh, they sit so wonderful, but they can't roll. And so when they do start to roll in the middle of the night, you know, they panic because they're on their stomach and they don't know how to get back to it. So that's been one really big piece is when we start to see those frequent wake-ups and I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's particularly how you can work on the rolling to get it going faster. You say, are they sitting, but are they sitting on their own, like getting into sitting and out of sitting? Cause that's actually a precursor to actually sitting and just those kinds of things. So, I mean, we're seeing that a lot, but I think it's COVID we're stuck at home. And um, I had actually a couple of days ago, somebody had posted an article about how um, gross motor, fine motor, and social skills have actually declined with 2020 babies. And it's not communication, it's all the motor skills. But again, we're relying on equipment. Absolutely. I can see something in the future that would be really cool to collaborate with y'all on like doing mommy tummy time with baby tummy time to help with that kind of motor skills. I think it would be neat to have like that available to get 
maybe our moms, if they're going to take breaks from working from home, even if it's five minutes to go get the baby out of the extra saucer, out of the swing, out of the bouncer, mm-hmm. let's get on the floor together and do these three exercises within five minutes and maybe to help speed baby up. We'll have to, we'll have to chat after this. Yeah, I think that most definitely. What is maybe the top exercise that you or top thing you would recommend to parents that have the baby container syndrome? More floor time. Okay. Plaque and play. We talk about plaque and plays all the time. Um, you know, people are always wanting to keep their kids safe, mm-hmm. but I think a pack and play is a great way to give them unrestricted movement and it's a safe place to sleep um, and play instead of being stuck in a container in one position. Cause yep. people think equipment help helps like them learn the skills, but it, it doesn't. Yeah. I didn't even think about come third baby. Our third baby was in that extra saucer by like four months way before he needed to be just again, three kids under three, um, was a lot or at three kids at three years old and under. And yeah, I was working from home trying to start this business and that thing became our little container. Um, so I think that makes so much sense when you say that it's like light bulbs are going off. Like, we could have gone back in time a little bit and redone that. But anybody hearing this now, like really kind of, is there like a time limit that people should have in the containers? Um, I like to say 10 minutes, you know, if you oh, can, just like a that. break. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I did it too. yeah. I mean like in 10 minutes first, yeah. um, but the thing is people don't even realize what containers are. I mean, the car seats and containers. So if you're taking mm-hmm. a 30 minute drive, that's time in there, but mm-hmm. just little things like diaper changes, instead of like getting off the floor immediately, flip that baby over and do some tummy time. Yep. That's a great plan. Even, um, we talk about like the pelvic floor with car seats on walks because baby wearing for the pelvic floors is really hard on the pelvic floor to be able to do baby wearing for like 30 minutes to an hour at a time when baby's born or in those first six months. And I've talked about like putting them in the car seat for maybe if they're doing a 20 minute walk, like half the time and then baby wear. So we can start to build up that endurance. I would hope that that would kind of be the same as getting them out of a container Absolutely. and at least let them stretch a little bit. Um, in that position. Moms, I'm loving this information. So if you guys are listening, hopefully this is turning on light bulbs for you guys too, because this is not only, I think building up the core support for our kids, the way that they need to, but I always think of that head extension, really touching in with the brain, with the vagal nerve, which always helps with the reading and the developmenting down the road too. So make sure that you guys are getting enough tummy time. I always felt guilty putting my kids in tummy time because they would cry, but let them cry, cry and wear themselves out. Cause I'm sure they'll no. sleep better. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't let them cry. Actually tummy time should kind of be a no cry zone. Oh really? Okay. This yeah. is good to know. Cause yeah. I'm like, Oh, they're fussing and they're whining. They're passed out. Yeah, we get that question often. A lot of times that's where like, we, we didn't do tummy time cause they just cry and they hate it. And we yeah. just do it. That happens all the time. And so that's where I kind of come in and I have like all these tricks up my sleeve, you know, of how to make tummy time better. And so it's not such like a stressful event because it becomes stressful for the parent whose emotions bleed off onto the baby. And then it just turns into a horrible afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Man. Okay. Good to know that. Um, Three mistakes parents make besides the container. So maybe if there's two more, or if you have three total, what would you guys say that those are the mistakes that you guys are seeing? You know, a big one is consistency. We see a lot of families who just aren't consistent. And I think that just goes with a lot of things, not just sleep, you know, or we may some things and these, 
we just kind of get off the, the track a little bit. But one thing is just with sleep, when you when you decide you're ready to start making some changes, you really have to be consistent. I say lay out a plan of what you want to do and, you know, stick to that plan, whether it be seven days, 10 days, but give yourself that time so you can see what worked, what didn't, what you need to adjust and change and try and really make that a priority to be consistent. And another thing we really see are the later bedtimes for all ages, babies, toddlers, preschoolers, and beyond. We see those later bedtimes. Sometimes it's because our schedules are so intense in the evenings, we just can't get them to bed till later. Sometimes it's we think, oh, if we put them to bed later, we're going to get a little bit later sleep out of it. And what happens is the opposite happens. They're waking early. They have choppy sleep in the night. That most restorative sleep happens up till about that midnight marker. So we need to capitalize on that. Our babies and our young children really thrive on early to bed and early to rise. That's how that internal clock works. And obviously they need more sleep in a 24 hour period than we do. So we have to be conscious of that and watch that and know that we're really hitting those timings right um, on making sure that we are getting them in bed when they need to. And I share this story all the time. You know, my son is 10. And so he does have some sports that go later, especially like in baseball season. Um, And my two younger children are four and six, and they just cannot, especially when she has a lot of health conditions, um, she has a rare seizure disorder, really have to watch her sleep. Um, So I get a sitter and I have a sitter that will come over and it's, she'll be there for a few hours if I need to be with my son. Or sometimes it's me and my husband trade out where one of us goes to the event and the other one stays home. And we're even with my 10 year old, very conscious of what he does. He, you know, we only do certain things in the, in the week and we make sure that they're at a certain cutoff point. If that means he misses things, he misses things, but we have to all have our sleep and he's a very high need sleeper. So we have to prioritize. And by we, especially me, I'm the one that prioritizes the schedules of what we're going to be doing, because I really want to focus and make sure that my children are getting their sleep needs met. And if you have to do some things like that, it's it's okay. I tell families, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, I need a sitter tonight. Um, those things are okay. I am thankful you said that, Kelly, because I thought I was the only other person who got babysitters for baseball games because this summer our games would have gone till 1030 at night. And I'm like, my three-year-old cannot stay up till 1030. It'll be a nightmare. I don't even want to stay up till 1030. <laughs> no, I like my 830 bedtime. I am a stickler on that. Um, Can you give us an idea because your kids are all different ages and kids need different amounts of sleep with different ages. What is your recommendation for your certain periods throughout, like through the preschool? Let's go with that first, like the baby to the toddler to the preschool age. um, And then elementary, if you have that, because I know a couple of us do have older kids too. Yeah. So, and that's the thing parents have to realize is, is the sleep needs are going to shift, you know, from baby to toddler and beyond. So, you know, when we're talking about babies and we look at a 24 hour period with babies, usually they are in that, you know, 11, 12, 13 hour sleep range up to about 15 hours max. And it just depends their age. You know, a three month old is going to need more sleep than a 12 month old. Right. Be careful, but you want to kind of stay in that range is specifically in that 12 to 15 hour range of total sleep. So it's going to be their naps plus their nighttime. Um, Once we get into the toddler age, usually we're closer, you know, into that 11 to 13 hour range of total sleep in a 24 hour period. 
And again, it's their nap plus their overnight sleep. And you need to just kind of watch again because you have a toddler that's 18 months old is going to be taking a longer nap than a toddler that's two and a half probably. So kind of watching those needs there. And then preschool, we're still in that, you know, 10 and a half to 12 and a half hour range. I have a preschooler right now. Um, she really thrives still on 11 and a half to 12 hours of sleep. She needs that sleep. We're trying, we've been trying to rid that nap, um, which has been fun. Uh, so <laughs> she's no longer at preschool really taking one, but she still kind of needs one. So we've done that transition as well. Um, and then elementary age, again, we're still in that hovering in that nine and a half up to 11 hour range for elementary students. Like I just said, my son is 10. Um, he is a high need sleeper, but he can thrive off 11 hours. Um, some that are not as high needs still can thrive on nine and a half to 10 hours of sleep. And what I found, especially with him and my middle child, she's in first grade, so she's six, is a lot of their peers that go to bed very late. They're going to bed at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and they've got to get up at six in the morning for school. Our sleep needs are nowhere near met. No, I was just counting on my fingers under the table. Like how many hours are we getting? And I'm like, okay, yeah. we're in the 10 hour to 11 hour range. Cause yeah. Like and that's just one thing. Like our late time for bedtime. We try yes. for seven, seven 30. And, and that's perfect. Especially for my six-year-old, she's in that seven 30 range. My son's closer to like eight 15, eight 30 range yeah. um, on school nights. Is, and, and that's something a lot of parents are like, they're struggling at school. They're extra tired. They've been crabby, all these things. And I'm like, well, what's their sleep look like? What time are they going to bed? You know, are they having too much electronics for before bed? Um, what are they waking up? Are they having electronics when they wake up? So that's how that layer of the onion gets peeled because a lot of times there's like, oh, my 10 year old is not, you know, they're waking up crabby and all the, and so I start digging and I'm, mm -hmm. here's some areas of sleep we can really start to improve on. And I bet that area has really increased over the last two years too. Cause I feel like that's where we've all kind of pushed our kids to maybe the more online learning that our kids have been in, if it's been more virtual learning or the tablets for help while we're busy working. Um, I bet that's a, I would imagine that would be a, a huge shift in people's sleep over the last couple of years. It's been a big one. And that's what I was just talking to a family on a call yesterday about. And she's like, our routines have just kind of gone out the door and we're trying to survive and we're working at home and I need them on the iPad and this, and, you know, it's late at night and they're still on the iPad right before bed. And she's like, I didn't even think about the connection of they're getting too much TV, too much iPad, right? Especially in the oh, evening. Yeah. Time and what that does to the brain. And it's, and that goes for us as adults. You know, we really need to be cutting the screens off well before we're in the bed. It, it, it And it's it, like two hours before, right? That we should really be turning the That's like off. the ideal, you know, right. and I just tell families, hey, if you can even do 45 minutes to an hour, that's progress. Yeah. Before you're hitting the bed. And it's that time that's like, it's like a calming time. I tell families, you're like trying to, create that calming environment as you lead up to bedtime and official sleep time. So if you can start getting some calmer things into your evening routines, remove the screens, remove the electronics, you're going to see a world of difference. If you just are consistent about it for a couple of weeks, you'll start to see a lot of differences. Like grab the books, grab the games. The and it's hard because schools do so much online. Like all oh, my son, his testing is all on the computer. They have to do certain, um, all these I readies like every day and he has to be on the computer every day 
to do this schoolwork. And I'm like, that's where the teacher in me is like, I get it, but we, but we've got to pull back on the screens too. We've got to go back to more hands-on learning, more learning, you know, off the screens just because it's overload. Yeah. And I think we all kind of threw our routines out the window thinking, oh, this is only going to last two weeks, six weeks. And then yeah. two, two years later, it's like, oh crap, we're still doing the same thing. Here we are. We're still here. Another wave. <laughs> yes. So hopefully we, I hope a lot of women will hear this and start changing because we do hear it. Like we think about it for ourselves, hormone wise, sleep wise, like we probably shouldn't be on the TVs or on our phones scrolling late at night before bed. Um, I know I wear my blue light glasses if I'm going to be doing any late night zoom calls to hopefully help with that. Um, but it does like I'm wired in my bed yeah. if I try to lay down after any of that. Um, so really in our house, probably for the last couple of months, we've really turned more to books. Even my husband who swears he's not a reader has now <laughs> read a couple of books in the last uh, oh, yeah. month. And we all, we all are sleeping much better. Um, so I, that's fascinating. I didn't even think about that or fathom with that with kids, but that makes a huge point. And it will change their attitudes a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, your kids? Yeah. But just because, I mean, iPads. I mean, you think about what it does to us. We can't stop scrolling on Instagram. Like addicted. Yeah. More self-control because we're constantly stimulating the brain. There's dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And so I see kids all the time. They're like, they're terrible toddlers, but if we could take away the iPad, man, that kid it's now the weaning process is not fun, but once the parent does get through that weaning process, it's like a different kid. I can, yeah, I can imagine. That. This is a side note, but when you were talking about your children and the therapies, you know, my child, my four-year-old, she's been in speech therapy about a year and a half now. And just the major changes, just seeing when you do go into a therapy that your child needs, like there's been so many wonderful changes. This, it's like speech therapy has been amazing for her and I've learned so much. And he also needs OT and Bailey's been working with her and helping me really help her. And it's kind of fascinating how everything is kind of connected, you know, when we start working on the speech and the OT and like she was having tantrums and meltdowns and things like that. And, you know, me making sure her sleep was on point because she is very much needs it on point, or we start to see more things happen and unravel. So it's just amazing when we start to break, break it all down and how it all can be connected. I think as a parent too, as we kind of slow down and not so much in the hustle and bustle of life, because when our middle kid Landon was going to speech and then we got him into OT, it was like, I had to sit there and watch him get evaluated. And I was like, oh, wow, I can totally see it all now. Like I was so busy and hyper-focused on COVID happening that I really didn't stop and notice all the things that he had been going on that we could have been working on. And we had gone down this path of chronically doing things consistently the wrong way and having to reverse back to, okay, slow down when we're working on this, we're working on that. Um, And now my kids, they build ninja courses in the basement to do their OT (laughs) exercises. And then we still work on our like K's and G's with our speech, like our sight words really for him right now on with these ninja courses, like when they go through it, just trying to really get it to all connect with exercise too. Um, But it really took me having to slow down and watch what was going on and realizing like we had just everything gone out the window. In the sleep world for me, when COVID hit is when things even got 
busier and crazier because families were home. They were with their children 24-7. No one was sleeping. They're trying to work. It just went on an uptick and families like, I can't do this anymore. And what is a better time than now? And now a lot of families still are at home. You know, they're still like, okay, we have got to tackle this and we've got to get it going in the right direction. Yes. Now. I love that you guys are doing this. What is one thing every family should know? So I knew it's given a lot of information, but if you could focus on like one thing of like, I wish every parent knew this. For me, I really think I wish every family knew it's never too late. It's never too late to start working on whether it be sleep, whether it be OT work, whether it be speech therapy, whatever you're doing. I know that it can be overwhelming at times, but especially when it comes to sleep, I get a lot of families, even families that'll come at the six month marker and they're like, oh, is it too late? I feel like it's too late for us to start. And I'm like, it's never too late. Um, It's going to be different. Obviously, what I do with newborns is going to be different from toddlers or from six month old and preschoolers. It's completely different. But so much we can do at every age to lay a healthy sleep foundation, get good solid sleep habits in place. And we are able to tackle those sleep issues you have and meet your sleep goals. Every family is going to look totally different, but please never think that it's ever too late because we can always get things going in the right direction. Perfect. That gives me peace of mind. <laughs> Hearing that. Okay. Of course. One question we ask all of our um, people that we interview is what is something you are doing, teaching, or learning at this time? And so if either one of you or both of you want to answer that. Well, Bailey has things. Um, I'll let her go on what she's learning, like in her courses. She's been taking some course um, for her OT license. So yeah. um, some of those things. So OTs, um, sleep is an area of occupation. So I'm not a certified sleep consultant, but I mean, it's definitely, I'm taking OT courses on sleep. And right now I literally just had it up and it was um, sleep problems in infant and toddlers, how to evaluate and treat. Um, And so it's a six hour course and I'm doing that. And so I'm just trying to really immerse myself in the sleep world because development is like, it's just my second nature. I'm always just constantly analyzing, just like you with PT, you know, watch somebody walk. I'm just always analyzing, but (laughs) it isn't necessarily coming always to me naturally, except Mm -hmm. it is more and more that I dig in there, but um, I'm taking that course and it's great. Awesome. And then one thing that we're really proud of and excited of, and we just tackled and worked so hard on was, is our sleep regression guide. Oh, yeah. So this is a huge um, sleep regression guide that starts with the very first one around that four month marker all the way to age three. And a lot Ooh. of times like, oh, the regressions go that long. Yes. So <laughs> I dives into them all um, over the years. And it gives you all the information you need to know about them, how to get through them. There's videos with every single, um, age group that we talk about. There's, um, additional resources in there. I mean, it's a guide that you literally will use now through the years and we're extremely excited and we've been working really hard on it. And it is a great guide. We've had huge, wonderful feedback about how helpful it was. Cause that's a big question, right? There were, yeah. How do we get through the regressions? What's happening in sleep and development? How do we get over it? So we're really excited about that. How can our listeners find that? So they can go to my website, serenitysleepers.com, and they can find the sleep guide course on there. 
And right now we have it, um, it's usually $49.99, but we actually have a code that it's for $29.99 and they can get it and um, download it and have the, all the resources right there at their fingertips. Um, so go to serenitysleepers.com and they can easily find that. Thank you. Where else can our listeners find you guys? So you can find us on Instagram at Serenity Sleepers. And um, we love Instagram and we get a lot love of hate. feedback. <laughs> and <laughs> tons of great resources there on the Instagram. Also, Facebook at Serenity Sleepers Sleep Squad is my private Facebook group. I've had that group for many years. And that is a spot that if you're looking for resources, I have um, a lot of different sections on everything from sleep, from naps to bedtime to um, toddlers. And it's a great spot to go and ask questions, find resources um, for all kinds of questions that you might have. Fantastic. I I know I've been stalking your Instagram for quite some time. And I think your highlights that you guys have there really targeting all the different age groups and regressions is fantastic. So I goes to Bailey on that highlights. Well it's done, awesome. I love it. That's what I tell her. I'm like, oh, these are so because like anything you need, you can scroll through the highlights and find it all there. Brilliant. Yes. I think that's so helpful to have that. So thank you. Because there's so many of us on different platforms or we spend time on different platforms. It's great that you guys have multiple, you know, set and ready to go for moms. Yes. Trying to make it easy, especially when parents are sleep deprived. Um, Things that are easy to understand, (laughs) easy to find and navigate. And that's always our biggest thing is like, how can we make this so easy for everyone, um, you know, to understand it, to find it, to locate it. So that's good to hear. You guys have done an excellent job. Thank you. Well, thank you guys thank you for so joining much. us today on today's episode. We greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure all of our listeners do as well. I'm going to go ahead and link their um, course guide at the bottom of in the show notes. So make you make sure you guys go there and click on it so you guys can check it out. And then we'll link your Facebook group as well and Instagram. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Great. Thank you so much. We've enjoyed it. Thank you. pelvic posse we want to thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the empower your pelvis podcast can we ask you a couple of favors please number one can you like and subscribe to this podcast so that you will continue to empower your pelvis forever so that you will never miss out number two can you leave us a rating and a review tell them how amazing we are and everything that you have learned about your pelvic health and then number three if you haven't seen the video version to this podcast you can go over to youtube.com forward slash c forward slash empower your pelvis for all of our visual learners out there. We have all types of great visuals in there for you to not only listen to, but to watch. Thanks so much again. And make sure to give your pelvis some love until next time. Peace out pelvic posse.